Hi, this is Mark Wade, writer of Daredevil, and you're listening to Longbox Heroes. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 459 of Longbox Heroes. Joe being joined by Todd. Todd, how are we on this fine podcasting day? I am wonderful. I love being on a podcast that will give you more than 2% of the story. That's your one. That's my one right out of the gate. All right. I, I'm gonna, I, I, I've got mine uh, ready to go for <laughs> After Dark this week. Right. Uh, unless there's more charges levied. But anyway. We <laughs> Eugene have... levied. Oh. <laughs> I saw Eugene Levy was nominated for uh, uh, not, a, not a Tony, not an Oscar uh some sort of acting award what's uh what's one that's coming up here soon the emmys maybe the emmys yeah i think he's one of those rare egot winners mm-hmm. i don't think he sings though wow he sings to me uh-huh there was a time when eugene levy and my dad looked very similar oh i'd yes. like to see your father do eugene levy a bit oh my dad's currently on his uh, slow trip, his his lonely drive from Texas back to the uh, northeastern Pennsylvania uh, area. He's being delayed by tornadoes across the uh, greater southeast. Mm. A lot of detours. But we have much to discuss this week. Uh, surprising lack of pre-San Diego Comic-Con news. I agree. Uh, but the news that we have is pretty big. Uh, we have two... Big Jeff Lemire books coming out from uh, the DC Black Label imprint. And one announcement book that I have some suspicions about. And not one, but two news items in The Rob Watch. (gasps) The Rob Watch. Uh, As mentioned, San Diego Comic-Con is this weekend. Uh, We have a bunch of digital sales and freebies to discuss. Lots and lots of sales. Some new freebies, of course. We have books that we read from this past week to talk about. Uh, Second Coming, number one. Giant Size Ecstatic, number one. And War of the Realms Omega, number one, I guess. Uh, We also have what we're looking forward to coming out this week. Todd's Art Attack and discussions of the most recent episodes of Swamp Thing and Krypton. Yes. Now, before we begin the news, I have to tell everyone a story. Now, typically these stories are saved for After Dark or Add-Ons with Wrestling or whatever it is, but it's pertinent to the show. So last Wednesday when I went to go pick up my books, I was running late. I got out of Super Secret Science job late. My wife was running late. So not only was I running late to pick up my books, I was also on uh, dinner duty. And I had to pick up pizza from the pizza shop adjacent to the comic book shop to paint a picture of the uh, downtown Scranton area. And I go, I place my order for the pizza. They tell me how long it's going to take, so I know that's how much time I have to go over and get my books and talk to Todd and Tom Durenick, artist extraordinaire, guy who made our logo for the show, is there as well. So we go in. Now, many, many weeks ago, uh, I had said that we're not going to start seeing any more information about any further delays of Doomsday Clock until after 4th of July. We're good until then. They've got their buffer set up. they got time for Gary Frank and Jeff Johns to work on it. If there's going to be any more delays, it'll be announced after 4th of July. So I'm going to get my books. I'm getting cashed out. And uh, Todd reminds me that there hasn't been an announcement 
of Doomsday Clock's delay. And Todd's like, I think they got it all figured out. They've delayed Shazam far enough that it's going to give Jeff Johns plenty of time to get Doomsday Clock done while he's still doing the show running on Stargirl. And Doomsday Clock is going to be right on schedule. We would have had an announcement about a delay by now. And I'm running late. And I go, you know what, Todd, you're right. There hasn't been an announcement. We usually get it by now. And I, like, checked on my phone and I didn't see anything come up, right? I go, oh, well, looks like Doomsday Clock is back on track. Todd is right, I said. Mm -hmm. I go and I get my pizza. I'm walking to my car. I'm getting everything in, my bag, everything. I put my stuff down. I turn the car on and I check my Twitter. And there it is. Boom. From, <laughs> from the time it took me to walk from the comic book shop to get my pizza to, the, to my car, the news came out that Doomsday Clock, uh, number 11, which initially was May 22nd, then fell to May 29th, then went to August 14th, has now been delayed to August 28th. Mm -hmm. Todd, I only wish... I, and I had made the joke online saying that this book is so late, the announcement's about it being later, even getting later. <laughs> yes, yes. Would you like to hear my version of the story? Well, I just told the truth, so it'll be interesting to hear this uh, other side of the story. Right. So you showed up late, and I was like, oh, Joe, I was worried. I hope <laughs> you're, the hour grows late. I was hoping nothing untoward had happened to you. <laughs> um, and it is after Independence Day. As of now, Doomsday Clock is still on schedule. Wouldn't it be funny if after you left, they procrastinated a little more and the book fell behind schedule? Then you could have a merry time ribbing me on the podcast. Um, you enjoy your pizza and have a good day, sir. Now, people out there listening to this, which do you think it was more realistically happened? Joe's versions of events or my version of events? I got to go with mine. Mine sounds like words that were truly spoken. Words, eh? Yes. Oh, boy. Anyway, um, Todd, are you feeling confident about your making it out, that last issue making it out by the, uh, the, end, of, uh, the end of November? Um, I have come to a conclusion i'm starting to think i'm starting to think doomsday clock won't be finished by the the first of december i'm really starting to come around i'm almost at the point mm -hmm. where i don't think issue 11 will be up by november oh no no you think right. it will you're right okay there's been a lot of fun to be had on these and, shows. Listen, I'm not changing my bet or my wage or anything else like that. No, I'm just saying. I, no, this there's is been, silly now. It, it is. This is. I've 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 officially, you know, uh, gone. You're gonna win the bet. There's there's no way it's gonna happen. I honestly don't even think we may see eleven this year. Like we won't see it, you know, at the rate it's going. Um, like they're still doing Star Girl, so Shazam's gotten pushed back. I actually know that. Uh, I've heard maybe rumors that Shazam's getting some fill-in writers for uh, the next an issue or two. And um, while all this is going on, uh, Jason Fabok is tweeting out pages from the three Jokers. So if he's got pages from the three Jokers, that means Jeff John's giving him pages to draw. 
So, like, I just feel that it's come and gone. He was on Shazam because the movie was coming out and it was going to be the new hot product and they wanted something out there. And then he was doing that and he's like, all right, we'll let that get behind and get back to Doomsday Clock. Doomsday Clock gets behind and now it's like, all right, well, don't worry about that because the next big thing Uh is three Jokers. So get on that. And we're like, you don't have Shazam out. You don't have Doomsday Clock out, but you're going to work on... The three Jokers. I'm like, it. Jeff Johns right now and his comics, I don't know how Stargirl's going to be, but that's a complete joke. And I, I I, concede the bet, and I'm ready to go to the local IHOP tomorrow and watch you eat all of their wonderful, freshly made pancakes right now. Well, I'm going to wait for them to pass another health inspection locally before No, we I do. concede now. You have to eat those pancakes <laughs> now. <laughs> um, but no, listen, I say... I, I appreciate your conceding, uh, giving me this victory, this much-deserved victory. Uh, but I will say, let's wait. Who knows? Maybe Jeff Johns could pull this one out of the fire. What? And like you said before, where it's like, oh, well, listen, 10's done, so 11's going to be right out after it. This is no problem. No more I- delays in sight. Mm-hmm. I wish I had the time and ringtone maker to go back and grab all the episodes that we discussed Doomsday Clock over the last year and a half that it's taken them to get 10 issues of a book out mm-hmm. and take all of your stuff out of context. Right. Saying how this book is no problem, no more delays, everything's back on track, mm. MDK, all day, you know, the usual things you say. Right, right. But no, this bums me out that a book that's supposed to be, uh, you know, the linchpin of whatever DC was planning to do, especially with Superman, it would seem, and whatever they were planning on doing with these Watchmen characters. I could only imagine that a man who lives in a cave and watches South Park maybe put some sort of spell or curse on Jeff Johns Whoa. that caused the delay of this book. May your may your pockets fill with so much money you can't do the sequel to Watchmen. <laughs> That's my curse to you, Jeff Johns. Oh. I cramped my writing pen counting all this money. Oh my goodness. I was I was I was you know, I had some walking around money and I dropped it and I grabbed it and it tore my my shoulder out of the socket. Alright, so enough piling on poor Doomsday Clock and by proxy you. Uh, so DC did have a bunch of other books to announce, hopefully that will be coming out, uh, two of which by Jeff Lemire, a prolific writer who does announce a lot of projects and, you know, sometimes they get timetables and sometimes they, sometimes they get them, sometimes they don't. These two do, uh, both are going to be black label books. One is going to be entitled Joker Killer Smile, which, uh, he and Andrea Sorrentino, his partner on, uh, Gideon Falls, amongst other things, are going to be doing. Now, it's unclear if it's like a one-shot or a miniseries or whatever. I thought I read that they were certain page uh, uh, one-shots. Okay. So, yeah, it was a little unclear. Mm-hmm. Um, but that being said, the other one that he'll be doing is coming out in November, which is going to be the question, The Deaths of Vic Sage, mm-hmm. uh, with Denny Cowan, Bill Sienkiewicz, and Chris Sotomayor as the art team handling that one. Right. Um, 
I would just like to say I, I'm glad to see Jeff Lemire getting the fourth Joker story. Oh. There's three of them. Now there's four. Um, but what I'm really looking forward to is that that question run. Now it's Jeff Lemire who I you know I love, but he, he I originally loved the uh, Denny O'Neill run, which I think was like thirty six issues, something like that. And there was a couple uh, special quarterlies and stuff, and it was mostly drawn by Dennis Cohen and inked by uh, Sinkevich, which is some of the most beautiful art I have ever seen. The story's great. I just wish that those they were in trade for a little while, those question books, and then they went out of print and they went through the roof. I'm hoping that this brings the eye back on that because it looks like it's got some of that creative team, and I'm hoping it touches on all that stuff. And people can get their hands on, to me, one of the most underrated uh runs of comics in like in the history of comics at DC. So I, I really hope. Uh have you ever read those question issues? Yes. Didn't they recently, and I say recently, within the last like maybe like seven or eight years, do a run on trade paperbacks of that? Yes, and now they've gone out of print. Okay. So I have them. Oh really? And I read them when they came out. So okay. yeah, so because that's why when you were saying that they were out of print, I'm like, I don't know. I, I got them relatively recently. Well, no, they're out of print because I know uh, the guy whose house you always want to rob for his art wants them, mm. and he can't find them cheap on eBay. You know what I mean? So, and they are kind of tough to uh, Google, if you will. Ah, the old, the old uh, Duck Duck Go, gotcha. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, so I, I I picked those up as they were coming out because I'm like, oh hey, I know this is a famous run in a comic book. I should this is something this is something that I should own, and it is very good. Uh, mm. Question is as close to, and that he's in Black Label now, a DC character that should have been a Vertigo character, or very easily can move between the two. Right. If he was still going on, if that book was still going on as the Vertigo label popped up, I do believe he would have been over there. Mm-hmm. But, uh, and also the first appearance of, what is it, Santa Prisca? Pris- whatever the name of the island is where Bane was, the prison island, that first appeared in the issue, in the epi- in the issues of Question, which I always, because I was rereading it a while back and I was like, oh, all these nods that ended up in, his Batman run and Nightfall and all that stuff. So, you know, d- people forget how much Denny wrote in the 90s. Oh, my God. And back to the 70s. He was uh, prolific, but not Chuck Dixon prolific. No, but he probably had more iconic runs of books than, than Chuck Dixon. Like, Chuck Dixon had had really good to great runs while Denny O'Neill had less really good to great runs, but had runs that put his name on the map. Like he had the, the green arrow, green lantern, uh, uh, Neil Adams run and he had nightfall and he had other stuff that he did in that bat stuff that just, he's going to have street cred for the rest of his life. Mm -hmm. So one of the other books that were announced is that they're, DC is also going to be doing a 12-issue run on Metal Men mm-hmm. with art by uh, Shane Davis and Michelle Delecki, written by the publisher himself, Dan DiDio. Oh. Now, uh, Dan's stuff could be suspect at <laughs> time, but it seems as though 
being the publisher or whatever different titles he's had at DC over the years. These are his characters. Nobody gets to write the Metal Men other than Dan DiDio, it seems. Do you remember when Keith Giffen, J.M. DeMatties, and Kevin McGuire were doing the Metal Men? Uh, very briefly, they tried. Right in the back of Doom Patrol, wasn't it? Uh-huh. It was a second feature, as it were. Oh, that's you don't call him a backup. That's right. But, and they never got recollected, I don't think. I don't think they did. They might have. I think some of those, well, I don't know. I'd have to look that up. Right. But it seems as though, like, this is Dan DiDio's pet project. Mm-hmm. He gets to float out Metal Men whenever and however he wants to. He did them in the Wednesday, remember the newspapers, the weekly yep. comics? Yep. So I'm wondering if this is going to be the same, you know what I mean, continuity, whatever you want to call it. I mean, I know things change, but I wonder if it's going to be continuations of those stories or it's going to be fresh. Because uh, I swear to God, I was just recently reading an issue of something where they were talking about the Metal Men. And it's, it's you know, floating around my brain and I can't think of where it was at DC. Like, this is the new continuity for Metal Men. Uh, they were in that new age of heroes stuff that spun out of metal. Okay. Uh, very briefly, but they didn't get a book. They just appeared in maybe New Challengers or one of the miniseries is. Okay. And Dan, in his quote in the announcement of this, says, I'm not going to do the Dan voice because I can't do it anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, what I enjoy most about this book is the chance to stay true to all the existing stories while building out their mythology in exciting new ways. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to do what I want, but also kind of do old stuff too, because I'm the boss and I can kind of do whatever I want. That's right. Try and fire me. <laughs> uh, so I don't know. Uh, I like the Metal Men, but uh, buyer beware when it comes to Dan Deal written stuff. Mm, I think I might be passing on this. Yes. Uh, but two things, Todd, I know you will not be passing on is, will be the two, count them, two news stories in the latest The Rob Watch. <gasps> the Rob Watch. So, uh, it has been announced that with IDW, uh, next year, not even this year, uh, Rob is going to be doing, um, my apologies, The Rob is going to be <laughs> doing a Snake Eyes miniseries for the G.I. Joe line entitled Snake Eyes Dead Game. <sighs> and. Like a- Right, go ahead. That's like a pool, but a game, like a different type of pool. It's a game or something. I don't know. Well, dead in front of everything makes everything better. Right. Well, we got two publicity shots for this. And, of course, they just look like old Deadpool sketches that he had laying around that he might have put a black filter on. What? How what? dare you? And Jumping with the, with the soles of the feet touching. <laughs> He's never done that before. So, uh... There's, you know, it just says 2020, it could be January, it could be December. We don't know if Rob is writing it or doing the art or just doing the covers or whatever it is. But we do have this quote from the press release from Rob himself. Now, I could read the whole thing, but well. (laughs) Okay, so he says, uh, uh, he's one amazing character for an entire generation of fans that thrilled to his adventures in the comics and cartoons and hung on his every toy release. My parents drove me all over the country, all over the county, I almost said country, all over the county, to get me G.I. Joe figures as a kid. Uh, These were were my first and most favorite toys. Working with Hasbro and all my friends at IDW, and again, 
<laughs> are they going to be his friends when it's all said and done? Uh, has been a blast so far. I can't wait to get to work. Uh, all this work out to the public. Uh, if you enjoyed my recent Marvel work, dramatic pause, this will match or exceed it. Ooh. And he, he does start the quote by saying, Snake Eyes is, did you read this or no? Do you have this in front of you? No, I don't. Okay. Snake, uh, Snake Eyes is blank, blank, and blank rolled into one amazing character. Oh my god. Can you guess which three characters Snake Eyes is? D- is Deadpool? In Rob's mind. In, Ro- in the Rob's mind. Is one of them Deadpool? Yes. Is one of them Weapon X? No, Weapon... Uh, I, Wolverine? I'll give Wolverine. you Wolverine. Wolverine. And what's the new... Major X? No. Oh. No, I'll give you one more hint. It's not a DC character because he's mad at DC, so it can't be anyone from DC. Is it Cable? No, it's Spider-Man. Oh. Because, you know, the silent ninja is Deadpool and Spider-Man, the two guys that are most associated with having big mouths. Oh. The G.I. Joe Merc with a mouth. Uh, So this leads me to believe that Rob doesn't know who Snake Eyes is. And just thinks that it's just thinks that it's Black Deadpool and is gonna go nuts. <sighs> I was really hoping he just drew shipwreck jumping. <laughs> He's like, there's Snake Eyes. He's got the parrot and everything. Now I will say this: if they do announce that Snake Eyes at some point is gonna be battling Zartan and/or the Dreadnoughts, I will be picking this up. What about Tomax and Zamot? Mm, I'll give you Tomax and Zamot as well. Greatest gimmick in the biz when it comes to GI Joe, mm-hmm. and I loved. I used to. I used to do with the Zartan figure. I used to put on little GI Joe concerts, and he was Alice Cooper. Be like, hey, oh, it's <laughs> like it's out opening for like you know GI Joe Alice Cooper schools out, <laughs> you know, because he looked just like him. Okay, no, you don't believe me? No, All right. I do okay. believe, but. So, in other news, this was kind of one of those fly-under-the-radar stories that uh, upstart publisher Keenspot uh, had solicited two books to be coming out uh, this year. Both are going to be for sale at uh, San Diego Comic-Con this weekend. One is called Keenspot Spotlight, uh, Junior High Horrors, and then the other one is called X Liefelds. <laughs> and the pitch for this book is... Uh, it's actually in shops tomorrow as we're discussing this. Uh, the Rob is beloved for creating some of comics' most memorable characters of the last quarter century, but he also has created some forgettable ones. In this twisted tale of spoofery, Rob's rejected forgotten creations find inspiration from their creator's own stories and travel back in time to stop his greatest characters from ever becoming popular. Devious plan. Join Bloodstain, P-L-U-D-S-T-A-Y-N, Pitbull with a Y, uh, Treadmill, Yard Waste, and Extra as they attempt to prevent uh, Rob's more popular characters from achieving pop culture immortality. This parody is so extreme, it's awesome. Now, if you're going to go through the lengths to make a book gently ribbing the Rob. Right. Then you're a fan. You like the Rob, right? Mm-hmm. 
So Rob purposely retweets the story press release of whatever this is and just says, do not bring these to me to sign. Oh. So adding to the list of books that Rob refuses, the Rob refuses to sign. This, X Liefeld's number one. The facsimile edition of New Mutants number 98 and Spider-Man Deadpool number 47. The first appearance of Major X. The first official appearance <laughs> of Major X. Right. Make sure you always t- tag that on there whenever you're That's, discussing it. You know what? And Rob is the sort of guy. Bear with me a second here. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see if we get a response just to be sure. Are there any other books you won't sign? Big fan. Love you. Love the stories. There you go. So I'm asking Rob if there's any other books that he won't sign to see if Mm. I get a response. I bet you you do. Rob's good at response, and I figure if we do this live on the show, you know? Right, and I and and you did it respectfully. So, right. Right, right. I mean, I think you told a few fibs in there, but what? You're not allowed to lie on the internet, Todd. What? You could call anybody what you want, though. Right. Oh, okay. I I heard that. I don't know. Anyway, uh, that's all the news. As mentioned before, uh, San Diego Comic Con's going on this weekend. Uh, I tried to find other stuff that was going on this weekend, and it was Slim Pickens. I don't mean the actor who was in the Blazing Saddles films. I mean, there was a bunch of other little conventions here and there, like a little thing in Florida, another thing in California, but there's no... It's just like, that's a comic show. We know people are in town. We're within 90 miles of San Diego. If you want to actually buy some comic books, we're here. (laughs) Let's go to San Diego, Joe. All right. I'm on that. I can't. I got I got wrestling this weekend. Oh. This is my one wrestling weekend of 2019. And you scheduled it against San Diego Comic-Con? Purposely, yes. I'm sad. So, uh, the link to San Diego Comic-Con will be in the show notes. Okay. If you've never heard of this convention. Uh, as well, information about the soon-to-be-named network at soon-to-be-named-network.com, soon-to-be-named-network.tumblr.com, Anytime any of the shows in the network uh, go up on their respective sites and feeds, they go up on soon-to-be-namednetwork.com as well. Whether it be this show, whether it be After Dark, uh, whether it be Puzzle Warriors 3, uh, Profane Arguments, and I think that's it these days, unfortunately. Right. And Add Odds with Wrestling. I'm going to start mentioning Add Odds with Wrestling here. Okay. You do you, brother. Um... That all I mentioned here? No, yeah, that's all I mentioned here. Uh, so, <laughs> uh, digital sales and freebies. There's a ton of sales. Uh, the Spider-Man Start Here sale is dwindling down, but because it's San Diego, everybody's got stuff on sale. Uh, DC, Dark Horse, Dynamite, Oni, uh, Marvel, IDW, Image, and that DC Sandman Universe sale is still still ongoing. And, like, IDW is one of those things where it's, like, here's, like, a line-wide sale, and then here's this Transformers-centric one, because I guess it's Optimus Prime Day. Uh, Dynamite's, like, here's, like, a line-wide sale, and then here's one specifically about the boys, because that's coming up on uh, Amazon Prime here in the near future. 
the freebies that we have available to us uh, this week, new ones, would be X-Men Psylocke, number one, which is some miniseries. I'm not really sure what that is. Uh, X-Men Worst X-Men Ever. Again, I'm not really sure what that is. Uh, X-Men Forever. But most notably, X-Men Deadly Genesis, a Ed Brubaker written X-Men book. This is the beginning of the introduction of the third Summers brother. Vulcan? Hmm? Vulcan, right? I, I vaguely remember that. I, that's one of the few Ed Brubaker things I've never read. It's interesting. Um, mm-hmm. It plays really deep in X-Men continuity because you're aware of the story in Giant Size X-Men that introduced the quote-unquote new X-Men that has, like, Colossus and Storm and Wolverine and Nightcrawl and all that sort of jazz. Right. Well, in this, we learn that that's not the first team that uh, Xavier sent to save the original X-Men, because that first team that he sent all died. And Xavier covered it up, but they didn't all die because Vulcan survived. And that's, like, where Vulcan comes from, and that's where the beginning comes from, learning that he's the third Summer's brother. Oh, okay. Spoilers, everybody, for a <laughs> for a book that's how many years old here? Doesn't have five. A five. <laughs> that's uh fourteen years old. All right, three fives. Uh, but all of those will be in the show notes as well. Like I said, the links uh to the digital sales and the links to the freebies. Check them out. I don't know. Try uh Deadly Genesis. It's interesting. Mm-hmm. It's Ed Brubaker writing X Men. You know. That doesn't happen very often. <laughs> doesn't write much Marvel anymore. No, no. Uh, so let's get into what we read from this past week, Mr. Todd. Uh, let us start off, I guess, with the book that we were both most looking forward to coming out this week, which was Second Coming, number one, from Ahoy Comics, written by Mark Russell, with art by uh, Leonard Kirk. And Richard Pace, they did, they teamed up to, because he did some of the finishing, uh, Leonard Kirk did some of the finishing on the Earthbound pages. Oh, okay. That's, because uh, I think, cause that, and you can't see it when you see the two stories that there's different artists. Basically, this is the story of uh, the old, a little bit of the Old Testament, God, you know, discussing, you know, what he has to do to get the, the people in shape and Adam and Eve and, and all the, uh, you know, the Ten Commandments and how he's had enough of them after a while that, that were, you know, the worst thing in the world. So while this is going on, Jesus says, Hey, let me take a shot at this. I'll go down there. And God, I, one of my God, uh, favorite quotes in this book is, so you want to try your hand at the family business? Well, why not? So like Jesus goes down and they end up showing him his life as a kid and his family as the carpenters. And he ends up getting this friend name. I'm going to say Simon, even though it's spelled S H I M O N Shimon, maybe I'm not 100% sure. And how he, they take him under his wing as a family member. And he's like a brother to Jesus. And when his time comes, when Jesus times come, he leaves the family business to this guy. Obviously we know what happens to Jesus on his 30, you know, in his 33rd year goes back to heaven. God, you know, loses it and says, stay away. So we jump to, to present day where we see uh i believe the sunstar is the superhero who's doing stuff and we have his uh, you know saving the day from various things and we find out that he has a wife and they kind of want to have a kid but they can't so they're trying to adopt so he uh god sees that like you know what kind of hero this guy is busting things up and he thinks he's going to man up his son so he's going to send 
uh, Jesus to be his roommate with uh, this Sunstar character, and he ends up taking him on a mission to find stuff and uh, to, to find these criminals. And Sunstar and Jesus have two different ways of going about things. And in the end, uh, Jesus ends up telling a parable about like why he believes what he believes and tells the story of his brother, um, even forgiving him after what he did in the, in his involvement in the crucifixion, uh, because he was a carpenter and everything. I really enjoyed this story. I thought this was really well done. Um, I think it's, if you're thinking it's not a respectable, uh, take towards, uh, Christianity, I would say, you know, it, it, it is a respectable. It makes God look like a bit like a jerk, but you go back to those like Old Testament. They're showing the Old Testament. The Old Testament's not a, not a fun time. Not a fun time. But the Jesus stuff, he's truly heartfelt and he truly cares. And his like forgiveness and everything like that comes through. So it, it's, it, it's a funny book, but I think it doesn't attack the religion at all and it's interesting and i think if this had stayed with vertigo this may have been the thing that could have put vertigo back on the map if they got their whole publishing arm behind it like the advertising and everything else and really pushed the press and there was a lot of press out there for this but it was negative well Okay, so it was negative to them, but as this issue was coming out through Ahoy, there was a lot of press out there, but it was on the usual media sites. It wasn't anything new. This didn't penetrate into even like an Entertainment Weekly or some sort of something like that, you know? Right. Whereas I think with Vertigo, DC, Warners, this could have got a little bit more traction. One can only hope that as this comes out on time... And it goes into collections, and more and more people start reading it. And, of course, Ahoy is a small publisher. They're an upstart company, and this is a book that really could float them uh, to that next level. And I, and I agree with Todd. Uh, the thing that I enjoyed most about this book, uh, as you say that it is respectful to religion, uh, while it is, I do like how much of a jerk God is in this book. Right, but like I was saying, is he does some pretty nasty things in the Old Testament to people. <laughs> right, and so you know, there is a difference between the vengeful God from the Old Testament uh, to the God who is, I don't want to say an uncaring jerk, but he definitely has jerk tendencies uh, mm-hmm. in this, which was enjoyable. I got a big kick out of it, um, and almost the naivete of his son, Jesus, in this. Not only with the way that he looked back at his 33 years on earth, but also once he's kind of put into the thrall uh, of Sunstar, which is a Superman analogy. And there's the whole, I really liked the scene where, and I forget the name, but again, Sunstar is a Superman analogy, the the wife, girlfriend, whatever. It's not wife because they're not married. That's part of the problem um, is they're trying to adopt Mm -hmm. and he's late for the adoption thing. And, you know, she's the the lowest lane analog is being honest with the adoption person of saying, like, not saying that it's, you know, sun, not coming right out and saying it's Sunstar, but it's like, no, we're not married and no, we can't have kids and so on and so forth. It's like, well, that's a tick against you. That's a tick against you. That's a tick against you. And you hear those sort of stories and to see that sort of adversity put on a character like your Superman analog 
where it's not a problem that he can just punch in the face. Mm -hmm. Uses superpowers to defeat. Where in this instance, his superpowers are actually a hindrance preventing he and his lowest lane analog from uh, getting what they really want, which is a child. Right. But it's a very interesting concept, a very well done book. Um, As Todd said, the main thing is this is not being used to make fun of or poke fun at religion. It's definitely to show, you know, as Todd mentioned, the Old Testament and God looking at Sunstar, the Superman analog, and be like, yeah, that's the kind of guy I want my son to be. Mm -hmm. You know, where... And he's not the same Superman that you and I know, truth, justice, American way. He's, he's a little bit more hard on the, the villains and the, 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 the people that he's facing, you know? And I think that's what God likes about him, that he's a little bit more in your face. God, like, God in this would like the Snyder Man of Steel. That's, there you go. That's, that's what it is. And I do like, and I even want to say, I think Russell is going to go down that road, road about how when it comes to Jesus's message, how it is a great message, but it gets twisted. Mm-hmm. And I think that's going to be the crux of this series. Yes. Um, I, I have another idea of how it's going to come out, that there might be a miracle at the end that gives Sunstar and his Lois Lane analog what they want. Mm-hmm. But we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. I think this is a three-issue miniseries, four-issue miniseries. I'm not sure. I'm not sure either because, as we always talk, uh, it's interesting to find out sometimes you're like, oh, this isn't an ongoing. This is a whatever, you know? Yeah, I don't think it's definitely – I'm certain that it's not an ongoing. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, the website and the comiXology don't give me information. Right. I'm going to look in one place while we're doing this because oh, okay. that, that usually jumps out with some stuff. You know what I mean? Well, while you do that, I will discuss uh, Giant Size Ecstatics, which I don't think you read, correct? No, I've never read any of the ecstatic stuff. So you go right ahead, good sir. Okay. So while you're looking, I'll just throw this out there. Written by Peter Milligan with art by Michael Allred. This is the continuation of the X-Force Ecstatic run from the early to mid 2000s. It more or less picks right up where the previous one left off. If you recall, during Civil War, uh, the comic book, not the movie, where that started because the New Warriors were more of a reality show sort of base superhero team, and their mission failed, and it was broadcast all over the world. The elements of that iteration of New Warriors were started in the Ecstatics book, where they were mutants, they were superheroes, but they were also celebrities first and foremost. This is where Dupe was introduced, who's kind of become more of a thing in the X-Universe with his uh, storylines in Jason Aaron written books and team-ups with Wolverine and stuff like that. So this is bringing those characters back, the ones that are alive, giving some status quo changes to a couple older characters. And this was another book that, um, was very free about killing characters. Uh, the very first issue of that run by Peter Milligan, at the end of the first issue, the entire team, except for the leader, gets wiped out. You're oh, introduced really? to all these characters in the first issue, and then by the end of the first issue, everyone's dead except for the leader. So then he has to put together a new team, and knowing that the last time that he led his team out into battle, they all died. And more and more characters die, 
any of the new characters that are on this team, if you're looking at the cover, let's say it's half original characters and half the offspring, children, relations, what have you, of the old team. So this is bringing Ecstatic back, not only as a mutant book, but not so tied into X-Men stuff, which is good for me. I enjoy a good X book, as long as it's <laughs> not so steeped in all the other X books. Isn't but that all the X books, though, anymore? It, it is all the X books, except for this one, which is, I think, why I gravitated to it so much when it was being published. But it also is making it a legacy book now because you have the old characters with the new characters mm-hmm. where, you know, OK, yes, they go a little um, on the nose with it. We're like, oh, the son of uh, Ike Alcar, his son is named Mike Alcar, and he has the same exact powers as his dad. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in this character, um, you know, we thought that she was the sister of uh you go girl but she's actually the daughter because it was one of those things where she had a teenage pregnancy and they hit it and they had the grandmother raise her and all this other stuff so of course she's fighting against that because that wasn't my mom she lied to me but now she's thrust into this to be on the team and she accepts spoilers everybody it's on the cover she's in the uniform and everything but then they also announce that sometime next year that they're going to be doing a redo saying all new series, all new team, uh, Milligan, Al Redback, coming next year. Uh, this was fun. If you remember this book from when it came out 15, 20 years ago, <laughs> this is it back again, and it's fun. It's really good. If you've never read it and you want to read a little bit of mutanty stuff without being bogged down in all the other Jonathan Hickman mutant stuff that may be going on currently, this is the book for you. This was running concurrently with Brubaker's X-Men stuff back in the day. Right. Right. So, but, uh, yeah. So I'm glad you enjoyed it because it's fun yeah. when you can read one of those books that you really enjoyed and, the, and and you can go home again occasionally. Yes. So glad to hear it. So the other book uh, that we both read from this past week is the one you had suggested uh, for us to discuss, which was War of the Realms Omega number one. Right. Written by a bunch of people with art by a bunch of people. Did you end up reading the Thor book too or no? No, I did not. Oh, Okay. All right, never mind then. Um, I wasn't asked to read that. You kind of were, and then I was told you also read the Omega. Oh. But anyway. I misread the email. Right. Um, Basically, this is the aftermath of the uh, story, and this is the – I don't think so much of this as an Omega, as a alpha of what comes after. I know that's nitpicking, but it's basically – uh, Loki's story beginning what's going to be the rest of like the beginning of his series and then also Valkyrie uh, that stuff and we're going to get some Punisher uh, the what is the the book I want to say Skull Scroll Kill Crew but that's not it what he's going to be doing after uh, that so Punisher we get Punisher Kill Crew right Punisher Kill Crew so we each get a little bit of their stories and we also get the ending of the if you were reading the War of Scrolls Daredevil story, which makes me think, uh, um, makes me think that we, he he has his eye set on Daredevil after all this is over. Um, this was a nice little wrap up, but like I said, I feel it's more of an Omega, less of an Omega, more of an Alpha for the the three books that were that if you want to buy, uh, nice little prequels or previews of said things. Right, and we discussed this in the last issue of War of the Realms, where we get our ending, Thor, uh, Odin's son, is the All-Father, and then we get these little one- to two-page snippets of, 
here's a here's a Loki thing, here's a Jane Foster thing, uh, here's a Punisher thing. This is those things at the end of War of the Realm Six fleshed out a little bit more. Mm-hmm. That if those little teases weren't enough, here's bigger teases for them with the framing story of the Daredevil Heimdall stuff. Now, you had mentioned, and I think we had postulated here as well, that uh, we could certainly see Jason Aaron going to Daredevil uh, once his Thor stuff is done at the end of 2019. And there's a part where Heimdall gives Daredevil something. Right. Where I don't know, it doesn't currently fit into what's going on in the current Daredevil book. And this is something that's happening in a book published in July that may not be paid off for another four to six months. Right. Unless in whatever the current story arc on Daredevil is, which I am reading, which Daredevil is really good currently again, um, that this hasn't come up. Like, Daredevil main book didn't cross over with War of the Realms, but Daredevil himself appeared in, as you mentioned, War Scrolls and the main book. Right. So it'll be interesting to see with this stuff with Heimdall, if and when it gets mentioned in the current Chip Zdarsky run of Daredevil. Right. I, I look at it as uh, the Chip Zdarsky, as much as I, I've read it and I enjoyed it too, I just think if Jason Aaron wants Daredevil, he's going to get Daredevil. Right. And, and I, listen, I, I agree that feels as though what's going to happen, but... It hasn't been addressed in the main Daredevil book. So it's just one of those things. It's like, okay, this happened. Now Daredevil's kind of in a holding pattern as these issues come out. And this thing that happened in the War of the Realms stuff with Daredevil is kind of in a holding pattern as well. When are these two going to meet? Are they even going to meet? Is Zdarsky just going to ignore this until he's off the book and then let Jason Aaron pick it up as he takes over the book? It'll be interesting to see how it all pans out. Right. Uh, but yeah, this was good. Uh, like I said, I didn't get a chance to read the issue of Thor just because I did read a bunch of stuff, but it was, you know, under the gun to get one last thing in. Before I get you, because my take on it is Thor is the real, the, Thor, whatever issue it is, I can't think of it off the top of my head, uh, 15 is the real end of the War of the Realms. They, oh. I actually think it should have been, they should have added an extra issue for War of the Realms, and it should have been seven, because oh. it's a very important issue. I didn't include it. Well, I'll make sure to read it first thing when I get a chance. Right. Uh, but that being said, did you see they added an extra issue to uh, the Carnage uh, event that's happening in the summer before the first issue even came out? Yes, I'm kind of <laughs> leaning away from the Carnage stuff at this point. Well, I know Donny Cates is pushing. You got to read everything. But mm-hmm. I'm reading the Carnage book and I'm reading Venom and whatever else crosses over. I'll get you one extra book. Right. I'm not going to get... 40 books. What if it has a better ending? Well, we won't. And that's, that's one of those things. The book didn't even come out yet. So we don't Mm -hmm. even know what the beginning was to see if it deserves a better ending. That is true. They're supposed to announce it halfway through. Oh, okay. So that's what we read from this past week. Let's get into what we're looking forward to coming out this week. Uh, If you head over to longboxheroes.com every Tuesday around 5.30 Eastern Time or so, depending on the servers at Super Secret Science Job, we put up a poll post, which is a link to a link to all the books that are coming out this week, whether you get your books in print, whether you get them digitally, whether you get them sent to your home, whether you wait for the trades, however it is that you get your books, be forewarned, be forearmed, know what's coming out this week, be prepared to have enough 
to bring home with you, bags and backs, bags and boards, boards Todd calls them. Yep. Do you need to purchase a new long box? Have you converted everything over to short boxes because you're getting older? These are <laughs> questions that you need to ask yourself. Short um, boxes, yum. So Todd had a much larger week last week uh, than I. I have a much larger week this week than Todd, but it's a lot of stuff that's wrapping up. Last issues of a bunch of things. Here, looking at Todd's list, much shorter, I am going to guess the book you were most looking forward to coming out this week is Immortal Hulk 21. It is not Immortal Hulk number 21. Right. It is Batman 75 because this is if if all things hold together <laughs> Tom King said this was where it was going to happen the big thing that was going to change Batman forever so we'll I thought see. that was like two issues ago and then an issue ago where that was No, I actually looked it up the other day when when we were discussing that and he says it's still happening in issue 75. Gotcha. So I don't know. I'm with you. They keep moving it back and schedules keep changing. I'm going to be honest with you. If it's not this issue, then it's never going to be for that reason. If he even says, well, it'll be in 78. No, I'm done. You said this, that, and the other thing. Is the book you're looking forward to most Immortal Hulk 21? It is. Right. And I do just want to throw this out there as well for you, Todd. I know you were getting... Uh, the Walmart books of this. Yes. Uh, but collected this week is the Wonder Woman Come Back to Me, which was the Jimmy Palmiotti, uh Walmart story. Right. Of Wonder Woman that has Jonah Hex in it. Right. And I uh, was ended up, I was thinking about double dipping. Mm-hmm. I, I have all the original Walmart ones. Right. So I'm like, ah, do I really want to spend... I spent five on, on on those, but then I was lucky enough to to have some know somebody who was drawing the book to get a comp or two here or there. So I don't know if I want to to pull the trigger when I have such a light week, if that makes any sense. You know what I mean? Gotcha. It's like I, mean, I could spend another, and I think they're four ninety nine for only twenty four pages. I'm not happy with that. Mm. Um, I spent I spent five dollars for the twelve pages. It shouldn't be almost five dollars for just twenty-four pages. It should be. I think that should be a three ninety-nine comic for reprinted material. I should be four ninety-nine. That's me just 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 screaming at an old guy get off my lawn kind of thing. <laughs> well, while you're over at LongboxHeroes.com, be sure to check out all the other stuff that Todd and I have done, whether it be past episodes of this podcast where there'll be past episodes of Longbox Heroes After Dark, where this week we announced the subject of the next Al's Gals uh, subject, amongst a few other things. Todd accidentally watched some wrestling this week. Mm-hmm. And we'll uh, talk about that a little bit. And did I watch any more Game of Thrones in the last week? You have to listen to After Dark this week. And hey, if you want to get After Dark earlier than everybody else, you can become a patron of us. Head over to... Uh, Patreon or patreon.com backslash longboxheroes or just go to longboxheroes.com and click the little Patreon thing. A buck will get you access to some old podcasts that Todd and I did with our good buddy DJ way, way back in the day, some 10 plus years ago. $5 a month will get you early access, but two days before everybody else, of the latest episodes of After Dark. Mm-hmm. That's one way to support us. Another way to support us is purchasing th- stuff through our store, uh, which we you can get shirts or stickers or pins. Uh, 
with our fancy logo on them, uh, with art done by the aforementioned DC Comics artist extraordinaire Tom Durinick. Or if you want some more designs inspired by soon to be named network, at odds with wrestling, amongst others, you can go to our T Public store and purchase to your heart's content there. If I'm not mistaken, I think there might even be a sale going on over at T Public as this episode is going live into your ears. And yet, one more way that you can help us out, of course, is the Amazon banner across the top of the page. Any and all purchases made through the Amazon click-through does not cost you anything extra, but it gives us a little bit of a kickback. They call it an advertising fee. I call it the thing that makes Todd happy at the end of the month when he gets his cut of the money after Mm -hmm. I sewed my phone number in the back of the shirt that I threw out into the crowd. Oh, boy. Some of the notable purchases through the Amazon click-through this past week, Todd. Is somebody purchased, getting ready for back to school, a Despicable Me Minions 12-count pencil set. Ooh. Uh, Somebody also purchased a faux sheepskin plush dog squeak toy in the shape of a bone. Somebody purchased a fire TV stick. Uh, Somebody purchased a book entitled Monster of the Week, The Tome of Mysteries. Somebody purchased a Life Straw fancy filtered water bottle. Uh, somebody also purchased a giant 103-inch wide extra swing wide baby gate. And they have to keep a whole army of babies back. Or, they have, also, one, or oh, they have one super extra wide baby. They have to keep go. Bay. Uh, somebody also purchased a wheelchair, a drive medical blue streak wheelchair. Ooh. Through the Amazon link, somebody also purchased the entire series of Parks and Recreation on DVD, and somebody also purchased the three-disc Blu-ray set of Shaun of the Dead, Hot Fuzz, and The World's End. Did you see The World's End? Yes, actually, I think we've discussed this a few times. My, uh, like, those movies go Shaun of the Dead, World's End, and then uh, Hot Fuzz. That's the order of quality of those movies. Now, I I go uh, Shaun of the Dead, Hot Fuzz, World World's End. Not to say that World's End is bad, but of those three, it's the one I like the least. Uh, but I will say that I do like the World's End more than what was the Seth Rogen one with the similar premise that came out that same summer season. Which I think is actually the World's End one. This is the the end at the end of the world or something like that. No, this one it, it, on the little description for it, it says it's called The World's End. Okay, I thought The World's End was the Seth Rogen. So did I, but I'm just, this is like one of those uh, live, die, repeat uh, renaming of a movie sort of things. Mm -hmm. Let me see what the Seth Rogen one is. And I think uh, the Seth Rogen one is called This is the End. Right. And this is just called uh, The World's End. Okay. Not It at the End of the World. Unless they so. unless they retitled it for the DVD for some reason, which, like I said, they do and they have done. Which you never know. Sometimes they do do that. Mm. But I don't know. Uh, no, very cl- uh, as I'm looking at this here, 2013, The World's End. 
nothing in here about it having a different title. You know what I'm thinking of? Wasn't the uh, the Sandman storyline the end at the end of the world? I think that's what you're thinking of. That's where I'm getting. I'm getting uh, the world's end in at the end of the world and whatever the Seth Rogen one is all, you know, amalgamed in my head. Mm hmm. Uh, Seth Rogen one, in my opinion, not as good as the uh, the Simon Pegg, uh, Nick Frost one. Well, I've never seen the Seth Rogen one, but yeah, like I said, don't I, I, I won't. I really enjoy the 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 World's End one uh, over Hot Fuzz. I, I don't know. There was something about it that spoke to me. So, all right. So Todd, did we have? An, oh, and thank you everyone for any and all of your purchases uh, through the Amazon click through. Anyone who's purchased a shirt or anything through the the links, and of course, anyone who has a Patreon, current and ongoing, uh, we thank you always for your uh, support of this show. Todd, did we have any art attacks this week? Yes, we did. Um, Jesse DeYoung uh, sent one in where he says, My five-year-old son Parker's favorite people to draw are Old Man Luke, Ray, and Kylo. We have so many of these. <laughs> and... I, I would hold on to every one of them because someday when Parker is a huge artist in comics and, you know, th- this, his artwork goes for thousands of dollars, you're going to be able to sell those old man Ray, uh, old man uh, Luke, uh, Ray and Kylo pictures for a mint amount of money. So I would hold on to him. That's fantastic. Uh, and also, uh, T-Bolt712 wrote, Hey, Todd's Art Attack, check out this beautiful commission of Batman chasing Catwoman through the roo- rooftops of Gotham by Pete Woods. Words don't do it justice, so I'll let the image do the talking. Um, that's a great picture. Um, I love I love that costume on Catwoman. Uh, Batman and Catwoman, they kind of make a good couple. Pete Woods did some some good stuff there. Add that to the list of things to steal. Uh, you know what? He can ha- he can keep that one. I meant for me, Joe. Oh, stealing. Oh, so when I break in and steal all of his stuff, you okay? I got gotcha. you. Yes. Here's what I say: just grab everything, and we'll sort it out later. <laughs> we'll have a draft. Well, I want him to know what the best parts of his collection were. The parts right. that I took. Well, that is true. What, what what is hanging on your on your wall will be the best part of his collection. Yes. Oh, boy. So, uh, I think that is the main part of the show before we get into some TV discussion, eh? I think so. I can't think of anything else. All right. So, uh, thanks for everyone uh, for listening to the show, of course. If you uh, did not watch Krypton or Swamp Thing, we bid you adieu. Don't want to be spoiled or don't care. Not everybody watches the same shows we do. Uh, Thanks for listening to episode 459, Longbox Heroes, and we'll give everyone a few seconds here to skedaddle. All right, so let us start with Krypton. And boy, howdy. Right. Did a lot of stuff happen. You know, we, we kind of discussed over the last, like, maybe, like, two episodes ago where we have all these characters and everyone's doing all their little separate stuff. And I'm like, okay, I get it's all going to come together, but I really only care about this SAG stuff. Right. Well, now all that stuff that they've been building up over the last couple episodes is finally starting to thread all together. And the circle around everything is getting smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller. The main crux of everything, of course, is 
being Seg confronting Zod in regards to his brainwashing of Lyda. Right. And then we get uh, Lyda being kid or being captured by the rebels, if you will, mm-hmm. and essentially saying to Zod, "Withdraw your troops, or I'm going to kill your daughter." Right. And of course, Zod does, or at least so we think. But what they really did was they swapped out some of the rebels. With some of the uh, Zod troopers, what do they call them? The Sagittarii. The Sagittarii uh, put them uh, in the Sagittarii outfits and sent them off world while the actual Sagittarii hid. And who was it? Uh, I wanted to say Booster. It's not Booster. It's Adam Strange. <laughs> you do want to say Booster. I know. Right. And uh, what's his face? Cam, uh, is it? Seg's yes. uh, drinking buddy? Yes, who's awesome, by the way. Right, he is awesome, he's a great actor, I'm glad he's back. They figure it out, they stooge things off, they expose Zod as a liar in a dirt bag, and uh, the episode ends with them uh, killing Lyda, so there we go. <laughs> right, I'm not 100% sure Lyda's dead, but um, I do like the fact that uh, to get away, uh, Lyda's mother shows up with the other Sagittarius that's been disgraced and they, they there to, to, to kill Zod, but they don't get him. And so they're like, all right, well, we'll get Seg out of here. We'll regroup with the, with the rebels and we'll figure things out. And they're like, let's get Seg out of here. And Seg with Brainiac inside him just starts dropping bodies. <laughs> and they're all like, um, wait a minute, when did you learn how to do this? And he's like, don't worry about it. Watch out behind you. And he's just, just popping people. And to see Seg nonchalantly just killing people and like not, not even like have to put any effort into it is kind of weird. And you can kind of see them, the, two, the, uh, the mother and uh, the other side are looking at him kind of like something's wrong here. And I, I just want to say the guy who plays Brainiac has an amazing presence whenever he shows up. And I, I just love Brainiac so much. He was supposed to be the big baddie. Then it's Zod. And I think we're slowly worming back to Brainiac being the big bad again. And then you got Doomsday, who's probably going to show up very, very soon. And right. And because there's like time travel stuff involving Zod, I think Zod can bite the dust here and still be back where he is in the main timeline. Right, because when they have, they have to. They said in season one, we have Candor has to has to go to restore everything, and they. I think they're going to be some wibbly wobbly timey wimey where they go back and Candor gets ripped out of the Earth by Brainiac, or the out of Krypton by Brainiac. Mm-hmm. So we'll see. It could go anywhere, but uh, it's fun to watch. Yes, uh, and you had mentioned, of course, uh, Brainiac, of course, and he and Seg kind of working together, and where we saw their earlier pairing was more adversarial. And I think Brainiac may be realizing that if I'm stuck here, it's not it, it, either we could constantly fight or we could work together sort of thing. Right. And if you die, I die. Right. So but fun stuff. Yes. And what do we got? So there's only, we're halfway through the season. There's uh, 10 episodes. So there's what? uh, So there's still a lot more to go. I don't know. Yes. 
I just know we're closing in on the end of Swamp Thing now. I think we have three more episodes to go. Right, we got five more episodes of Krypton, and we got three more of Swamp Thing, yes. Right. You did watch Swamp Thing, right? Yes, I did. Okay, so I'm good to move it where it needs to go. Right. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. I got you. Into the podcast where we can talk about it. That's right. Uh, So this is... Uh, well, okay, so where do we begin? The previous episode ended with Abby seeing, uh, Swampy as Alec Holland. Right. Uh, we were led to believe that maybe he had turned back, but no, whatever that pollen thing that he, uh, had come out of his hand, released some sort of hallucinogenic spore into the air to allow Abby to see the muck man as Alec. Now, I thought to myself, I'm like, uh-oh. Are we going to not, is this going to be an episode where for budgetary constraints, we don't get him in the costume for whatever reason, but no, we did. Um, so in this form, Alec explains to Abby more about the green and the rot and the decay and everything else that's going on. And Abby wants to go to where the rot is and where the decay is. Alec strongly advises against it. Uh, while there, Abby gets uh, shanked by, like, an errant uh, sentient branch. And that Tentacle. starts... Right. That starts to affect, uh, infect her. We see earlier in the uh, the episode, Alec uses his connection to the green to make a shrub break a window and grow any plant that... Or any fruit or anything that he wants it to. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he has her... Gr- uh, she, Abby, has Alec grow a Chinese lantern, and a bunch of other things to assist her. And then he uh, allows some of the green to go into her to fight whatever is of the decay inside of her. Right. That's your main story, I guess. Right. And the one thing I was really hoping for in all that was that the rot and the stress on her body was going to turn her hair uh, white a la mm. regular comic Abby Arcane. You know what yes. I mean? Yes. I yes. was like, when are we going to get the wig of the white wig for Abby? I want that. Right. Soon. Uh, last episode, if the budget allows. Right. It was supposed to be an 11, so they moved it to 10. Oh, my goodness. But then, on the other part is, we get the, uh, what's his face? Sunderland. Uh, Sun- uh, Avery Sunderland stuff. Right. Uh, his dealings with uh, Woodrow and getting the cure out, pulling some strings to get that investor guy to show up to schmooze him to put some more money into it. Uh, Avery gets called away by um, Sheriff Cable. Sheriff Cable, mother of Matt Cable, who is the guy with the crush on Abby. She calls him out because she, Sheriff Cable, knows that Avery set things up to frame her son for the put him Put him on the boat when Alec was killed. Right. To basically get some control over him by uh, having him murder somebody for him. Right. So they, uh, and again, I forget what the the sheriff, like the, the woman Cable's first name is. Right. Uh, She's uh, the Sheriff Cable. Right. The Sheriff Cable. Uh, mm-hmm. Lucilia. Lucilia? Lucilia? Does right. that sound right? It does. I don't think they say her name a lot because everybody calls her Sheriff Cable or whatever. And oh, and as I'm looking at the uh, Imdba on her, that's uh, Jennifer Beals. Yeah, Flashdance. I didn't know that just until yeah. now. Yeah, how about that? 
Sometimes you got to see these things, Joe. That's right. That's right. So they bring Avery out. Uh, but, of course, now the bigger plan is revealed that they, uh, Lucilia and Matt, are working with Maria Sunderland to get Avery out of the picture, knowing that he's the big dirt scumbag that he is. Avery drops the bombshell tonight on uh, <laughs> on Matt that he's really his father. And in a Empire Strikes Back, no, no, I'll never join you, that's impossible scene, uh, Avery tries to make a break for it with a knife conveniently hidden on the boat. They shoot him in the leg, and then they shoot him again, and he falls into the water, and I'm sure that's the last we'll see of Avery Sunderland. Yes, until he crawls out of the swamp at the end of the episode, credits roll. And that's the thing, Matt, of all people, knows that Alec was turned into some sort of swamp person. In the last episode, he is shown by Abby. Yeah, see this big, giant, green monster? This is Alec. After he was shot and killed, he landed in the swamp and turned into this. The next episode, they shoot the evil guy. He falls into the same swamp, and they're just like, yep, he's a goner. And I honestly think... Let's pull that body out of the swamp and make sure... But I think that's, but here's the thing, Joe, and I know that's the thing. They looked, they couldn't find, like he went underwater and the, uh, the sheriff cable says later on, she's like, they get to Sunderland's house and Maria answers the door. She's like, what are you doing here? She's like, my son's bleeding out. We don't have time. He needs to be stitched up right now. And that's where the doctor meets them because he can't come out on a boat to stitch them up. They don't have time to look for the body or the sun's going to bleed out. Uh-huh. So I'm fine with that. I know what you're saying. Like, but the, 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 the sheriff says a lie. Like, yeah, he's definitely dead. We saw him die. But in my thing, yeah, all that happened. But she's like, would I rather look for the body or have a second body of my son to dispose of? So, you know what I'm saying? Mm. We, we like accept that. You know what I mean? I accept it under protest. Right. But I will admit that this had a bunch of them there wrestling veers and wrestling gotchas, Joe. Oh, yes. Where I do like when she shows up to get uh, Avery, uh, Maria comes to the door and she's like, hmm. And you're like, Maria knows. Like, Maria knows that they're sleeping around. You're like, so she's on to him. This is going to be bad for Avery because Maria's going to come and he'd try to kill the cop or him and all that stuff. And then they get out there and then they're like, you think, you're like, yeah, like Avery's going to kill the sheriff. And he's like, you think I'm stupid? I'm waiting out here for your partner. Where's your partner? She's like, I don't have a partner, I swear. And then Matt shows up as her partner and knocks Avery out. And then they're like, oh, let's dump the body. He's like, you're, you're going to dump your own your own father? I'm like, oh, another Veer. Like, oh, my God. And then they get home and you find out Maria's involved in it all. I'm like, honestly, as jokey as that sounds as I'm explaining it, I didn't see a lot, any of that coming as I was watching it. Each one I was kind of like, oh, that's pretty cool. I didn't see it. Oh, that's it. So I really like this, like you said, is light in the effects department and the Swamp Thing costume. But story-wise, I really liked it. I agree. And as you had said, I certainly think uh, the wrestling gotchas, as you like to call them, the everyone being aligned, like the allegiances switching and everything like that. Mm-hmm. 
I definitely knew something was up with Maria because she was acting so different in the episode. Right. I thought it was just that she was on to whatever Avery's plans were, whether it be as simple as sleeping around with the sheriff or how far reaching his plans go. But then when she goes to Woodrow about the report, kind of letting on to him that she knows more than like, she's just the wife. You know what I mean? Right. Where she understands what the report means and understands what it needs to say to convince this guy to invest and they get him to invest. But now what's, you know, what's the next steps? What are the next movements that are going to happen with all this? Right. And it's, and it implies as when, if you watch it, that she knows, she knows that Avery's bad for, for getting him to invest where she does it with a gentler, like Avery might've been, he's a good schmoozer, but like she's silk when it comes to, 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 to getting the, the guy to invest his money. And she's like, we have to get him out of the way. And then we can make, we can roll in the cashier. I was like, I really like that. I thought that yep. was really good. Uh, but it's good. It's been a good episode. Both the shows have been really good. I'm glad I'm watching them. Me too. And then uh, once these are both over, like I said, three more weeks of Swamp Thing, five more weeks of uh, Krypton, and then, you know, when does Flash and everything else start up? You know, probably what, mid-September? I would have to say sometime mm-hmm. mid-September. So we might have a gap of no TV for a while. Maybe. I think it would be nice to take a little gap of no it TV. It would be nice. Yeah. To watch TV for our pleasure instead of work. Right, exactly. There you go. Because I have stuff to watch for Al's Gals this week, too. Exactly. Hmm. All right. I think that's everything. I think that's everything, too. I could clear the docket of today's episode, episode 459 in the books. Thanks, mm-hmm. everyone, for listening. Uh, for Todd and Joe saying, see you all here next week. Remember, be a faucet, not a drain. Ooh!